Welcome to the Street Brass Podcast. This is your host, Phil Andrews. Today we'll be uh, playing field recordings from the 2018 uh, Golden Fest. That is the annual celebration of Balkan dance, music, food, and culture, which is put on by Zlatne Uste, of course, the long-running Balkan band. Um, They've been doing this festival for over 30 years. Um, This year it was held January 12th and 13th in the Grand Prospect Hall in Brooklyn, New York. Um, We'll be playing uh, recordings that I made on-site, interviews with uh, both attendees, musicians, and people from behind the scenes. But a lot of the music we're going to be playing um, were taken from WFMU's Free Music Archive. These are recordings made by the Trans-Pacific Sound Paradise. I want to give a special shout-out to Rob Weisberg and Cheyenne Homan for Uh, working with me on getting these recordings up, but you can find both uh, recordings from this year's Golden Fest and many, many, many other recordings at the uh, freemusicarchive.org, available for streaming or download um, for non-commercial purposes. So big shout out to them. And uh, we'll get started with a recording that they made from this year's Golden Fest, and it's Latin Ayuste playing Habibi at the 2018 Golden Fest. here with the Street Brass podcast at the 2018 Golden Fest. Um, Want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Laura Panaman, and I am site manager of the festival. That's great. And what, what does that mean? What do you do for the festival? Mostly um, when there are problems, people will text me and I will, you know, I will take care of those. Today there's been a bunch of there are leaks, there's problems with the toilets, the sinks aren't draining kind of problems. So it's that. We need tables up in the Sharshia. And if folks don't know, Golden Fest is an absolutely enormous undertaking. I mean, there must be at least a couple thousand people here tonight. And how many performing groups would you say that there are? Um, last night there were about, uh, there were five performing groups, and tonight there'll be about 60. Wow. 60. And so... 
Gomfest is not a not a commercial enterprise. So how are you able to um, to put on such a such a huge endeavor? Um, do you have a lot of volunteers helping you out? We have a huge number of volunteers. There are probably a couple of hundred volunteers from the of course the volunteer stage managers to the food crew to all the people at the door taking your money, checking your tickets, giving you your wristbands, uh, the volunteers checking in, the other volunteers checking in the musicians. There's probably a couple hundred um, over the course of the weekend. Wow, yeah, it's one of the things that really makes Golden Fest different is that it feels like a community of people putting on a, a, a celebration for themselves rather than just uh, you know a bunch of high-paid bands sort of playing for the masses well that's how the festival started out the festival started out as um a bunch of people who wanted to play music together who only ever get to play music at one east or west coast balkan camps that we have every summer and in you know in the 80s they said hey let's just have a get together we could all play with each other outside of camp and the first one, I think, was a a festival that was a, a that was a um, benefit for the EEFC, which is the group that puts on Balkan camps, mm-hmm. Eastern European uh, folk, folk life, life center. center. Right, um, and of course, uh, listeners remember our uh, episode on Balkan camp this past summer. Um, how long has Golden Fest been going then? I believe this is the thirty second Golden Fest. So just like subtract from the year. Mm-hmm. And how so, has it changed over the years? When it started, essentially it was the band doing it. And in the band there was Drew Harris and Lane Harris, and they essentially said, let's make this a party. And I remember them cutting you know, cheese and sausage and doing all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And you know, they invited their friends, the bands, to come and play together. Uh, and then, essentially, as it morphed and we outgrew places and we got bigger and bigger and bigger as more people found out about us. Uh, and so now here we are with this huge venue, which we fill on you know first floor to fourth floor on Saturday night. And it's just morphed because... Um, there's more and more and more musicians, more and more younger bands who play music in and around whatever city they're in, a lot in New York, and people who go to hear the band say, oh, what is this music? And they come to Golden Festival. Yeah, one of the things that I find amazing is that this isn't, um, this isn't a group of people from simply one generation with a particular interest. There are kids here, there's teenagers here, there are young musicians. Why do you think that the cultural offerings here in the community are so so attractive to each succeeding generation? Well, it's, it's different for each generation. A number of the people here, like Michael Ginsburg, who is the trumpet player in, in Zlatny Usti, his parents folk danced. And another, Linda Mansdorf, her parents folk danced. She dances... Her daughter dances, plays in 
uh, Chochek Nation. She plays violin. So there's three generations of dancers there. And a lot of people come from it from that. There's a whole bunch of people who started dancing in college or in grad school. There was a folk dance club on every campus. Um, then a lot of people, a lot of the original people in from the 60s who loved this music and went to Europe and, you know, went to Yugoslavia, went to Bulgaria to learn the music, to learn the dances, brought them back here. Um, and then there's the people who started playing the music and passing it on, uh, and then there's all the young people, the younger people who play in bands who heard the music from the bands like the seminal bands like Zlatan Yusti, for example, on the East Coast. Uh, and they love the music. They didn't come to it from Balkan music. They didn't have any context for Balkan music, but they heard the music and decided they loved it. And would you say that each generation um, takes the the music and kind of makes it uh, their own, as opposed to sort of, you know, the, you want to honor the tradition, but you know, I, I listen to bands like Raya Brass Band or or Wachir Brigade or even Chochek Nation, and, and they're adding their own voice to it. Would you agree with that? I would agree that yeah, that that the music is changing. And the context for the music is changing also. Um, you know, when we all started dancing, there were like three bands playing live music in the whole country. And so everybody of my generation closed, uh, chose to come and dance. And we all danced it to recorded music. The younger people today don't want to dance to recorded music, which is why even though there's loads and loads of bands, Folk dance groups, at least in New York, have, are, are pretty much dying mm. because you can't have live music, you know, every week. Right, right, right. And is there anything you're particularly excited about for this year's Golden Fest? You know something? I think every year you're just excited to hear the bands that you love hearing. I know it is for me. I was just upstairs dancing, you know, Pontic Firebird. I just love them.
there'll be other bands playing Greek stuff during the night. For me, I love more of the, of the traditional stuff. And so you'll have the bands playing all the Greek stuff. And there's, there's Stacy, the third generation in her, in her family of dancers. Um, you know, so for me, it's, it's listening to the real, to, to the traditional music by bands that play it more traditionally. Awesome. And what would you, uh, what would you like to, to tell the listeners? Let's say there are a lot of people who are listening who have been to Golden Fest many times. What's something most people don't know about the behind the scenes, about how it all happens? I don't think that people know how many people it takes to make it happen. You know, there's this big feast that happens. Well, where where did that all come from? You know, it wasn't catered in. There's Bacha and her team back there in the kitchen slaving away all night to make sure that there are enough trays to feed everybody. It's a real they army of volunteers. It, yeah, they, they don't realize how many volunteers it takes to put this on. They don't realize all the stuff, all the, the textiles hanging around here, especially in the atrium and the stage backdrops. They pretty much all belong to one person, uh, Kathy Springer. A couple of other people put, you know, bring stuff, but she's got this incredible textile collection. People come for the music. I don't know how much they consider everything else around the music and how that happens. Right, right. I mean, someone's got to, from the coat checks to the ticket check-in. One year I I helped with sound. Uh, There's a lot of behind-the-scenes work, not just the musicians who are mostly also volunteering their time. Yeah. But, you know, they walk into this kind of fully formed place, and I don't know that a lot of people consider how it all happened. They're here and they're going to dance their feet off for eight hours and go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an amazing time, um, and we'll be speaking with some other folks. We want to thank you, Laura, for taking the time tonight. And thank you for asking. Hi, we're here with the Street Brass Podcast. Where do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? My name's Jen Datka, former member of the Rude Mechanical Orchestra. Awesome. Nice to see you, Jen. Would you like to tell us um, what Golden Fest means to you? Golden Fest means to me seeing world-class musicians uh, with approximately 50% of the people I know in New York City and dancing and having a great time. Beautiful. And who are you about to see in, in about 30 seconds? The Veverice Brass Band. And who is that? The Squirrels from Brooklyn. They're amazing. That's great. Recently reformed after a hiatus, their band leader, JR, left for New Orleans. Uh, But they've recently come back, and we're super excited about it. So let's listen.
we'll get back to on-site recordings in just a moment, but I wanted to interject here and uh, talk about J.R. Hankins, who founded the Vevrice Brass Band, wrote a lot of the material, including uh, the song you hear at the top of each episode of the Street Brass Podcast called Too Exclusive. He uh, moved to New Orleans a few years back, plays in a bunch of projects down there, including Wits End, and was unfortunately recently the victim of an assault which left him unable to work or play trumpet um, for a period of time, weeks, if if not months. So there was a fundraiser down there on March 13th uh, with his band Wits End and a couple of others. And if you uh, would like to support JR in any way and you know him, you can uh, reach out directly um, or he is accepting donations uh, via PayPal, uh, and his uh, email is jr underscore hankins at hotmail.com. So sending our love down to JR for a speedy recovery. And um, now we'll move on to an interview I did on site um, with Michael Ginsberg. Uh, we have a special guest here today. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Michael Ginsberg, and I'm the director, leader of Zlatan Usti Brass Band and uh, the program director for the Golden Festival. And so how long have you been involved with uh, ZU and the Golden Festival? I'm one of the founding members of Zlatan Usti, and I've been, so the Golden Festival, it's just like our 33rd year, so I've been instrumental in all 33 of them. And so the band started before the festival, right? Yes. And so how did the festival get started? Was it an outgrowth of the band? There were, or there were two, two things that really motivated our first festival. One was that we were a fledgling band in an environment where there wasn't any audience for our music, or not much of an audience. There were folk dancers, pretty much were the only audience for, for us, and so... We decided we, we would create a venue for us and for other Balkan musicians in the New York area who would like to have an audience. So the first year we uh, invited two other bands to come play. So three bands, one room. Between 100 and 150 people came. And for us that was just a wonderful party. We, we provided uh, the food and the drink and uh, you know everything was part of the entrance and... Uh, Turned out to be a lovely, a lovely party. What else motivated that was that the organization which begat us, to say, so to speak, the East European Folk Life Center, was in need of funds. They're always in need of funds, and so um, we did it partially as a way to raise some funds for them as well. And so the, the venue has obviously changed a, a few times over the years, and uh, we, you, you've been in, uh, in the Grand Prospect Hall for a few years. How is, how is this venue working out? This venue is so good for what we do. It's, we, we've been in other venues that also, we, I felt, served us very, very well. Um, but the, the previous one was a church hall, that uh, was part of a school and the, nothing was kept very clean so it was an amazing amount of work to get the place ready for, for us 
people would go into the kitchen the day in advance and scrub and clean. All wall space was covered with beautiful costumes and rugs so that it looked attractive. Um, was that the one in Upper Manhattan? Way up in Manhattan, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's where I started That going. was the Good Shepherd Church, and that, that served us fantastically. We were able to sort of carve out three locations where there was music, um, three stages, and uh, I thought it served us really, really well. But uh, we needed to find a new space. We had sold out there a couple of years in a row. We were outgrowing it, and the ownership was a little bit difficult to deal with. And so one of the amazing things is like the festival continues to grow. There are more and more bands, but also, you know, and I've been going for, you know, about 10 years. I, I you come in here and you see many, many generations of people involved, both in the music and in the folk dancing. Why, how do you think that that's, because so many traditions just seem to be, uh, aren't passed on generation by generation but here we have there's children here there's teenagers here there's there's kids in their 20s who aren't even related to anyone how do you think that this is possible I think that's how a community works I think living in a big city like New York it's easy to not to feel not a part of a community uh, maybe you feel like you're a part of a community at work Maybe you feel like if you go to church, you have a community there. Um, but it's not like a community that lives together. And I think a lot of people miss that. This is a community that gets together around an activity. Um, and there are people here from all over the country who know each other from this activity. So we see each other at Balkan camp, we see each other at some other festivals sometimes in other parts of the country. Um, they had kids, they bring their kids to the festivals and it's a natural, a natural thing for kids to, you know, if they come and they see the adults doing stuff and having fun and, you know, eventually they reach an age where they can really um, process what's going on and learn about what's going on and reproduce what's going on. A lot of the kids have not only become good dancers, but they're musicians in, in bands. They, they're forming their own groups. Uh, yeah, any thoughts about the, the music of the next generation? Um, you know, as, as ZU is like one of the founding uh, bands of this movement, but now we have, you know, there's like the like there's the Raya Brass bands of the world right. and the and the younger bands, the Chochek Nation. Do you have any feeling about how they're... Are they playing the music differently? Are they making it their own? Yes, they are, actually. They're all... They all... It's good for them to do that. You know, they... In order for them to really feel like they own the music, they got to do it their way. And on that note, let's have a song from Chochek Nation. This is from the 2018... Golden Fest uh, live recording courtesy of the Free Music Archive.
our way was to try to do it as much as possible in the style from where it came. So we tried, it was more or less a cover band. Um, and uh, that was our, our identity. We, we enjoy it. We, that's what we do. But other bands have their own direction. And uh, they do some, some of what we do, but um, there's nobody quite like us. And any, uh, any final thoughts? Any, anything that you think that the many uh, listeners who, who come to this festival every year would be surprised to know? Uh, about the behind-the-scenes action, about the organization that, that brings Golden Fest to life? Probably people don't think about it, but there's hundreds of volunteers that <laughs> help put this festival on. Uh, there's so much work behind the scenes. It's incredible. Uh, it used to be Zlatan used to, we did it all ourselves. Of course, it was smaller when we did that. and we it, it outgrew us. Now we have a committee that has some band members, but some outside people, and they all recruit volunteers to, to do various things. And uh, it's an amazing amount of cooperation that has to happen for this festival to go on. Well said. Well, thank you so much, Michael. Um, another great cool. Golden Fest. Thank you. tune was from the Kovala Brass Band, and next up we have uh, a song from Max's New Hat, which features Max Fass on accordion. Uh, Max also plays in the Raya Brass Band, so let's check it out. Thank you. 
we're here with Allison Heim, bass drummer and sometimes vocalist for the Funk Rust Brass Band. Hi. Hi. How many Golden Fests have you been to? This is my very first Golden Fest. Oh my God, Golden Fest Virgin. So tell us, uh, what are your impressions so far? Um, it's amazing. There are so many people. There's so much enthusiasm. There's so much dancing, and so much music. Awesome. And who are we watching right now? We are watching Veverite. And have we seen them before? I have. We Funkrass Brass Band actually played a show with them at the Rock Shop perhaps two or more years ago. You'll have to keep me honest. Right, right before their hiatus, but now they're back. So yeah. let's, let's have a listen. So that'll do it for today's episode of the Street Brass Podcast. I've been your host, uh, Phil Andrews. We want to thank once again uh, WFMU's Free Music Archive. Um, Also, and Michael and Laura for the interviews, uh, Jen and Allison uh, for the on-site hellos, and also to all the bands, um, Zlatnayuste, Beverice, Pontic Firebird, Kavala Brass Band, Max's New Hat, and Chocek Nation. Uh, I think it's only fair that we let Zlatnayuste play us out. Without them, there would be no Golden Fest. So, see you in the streets, or see you at the 2019 Golden Festival. Uh, 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 uh,